This podcast contains graphic content and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. October edition. Okay, here's our second episode of our Halloween-y, spooky-themed episodes. From the Appalachia. From Appalachia. And today I decided to do the Bell Witch. And she literally means today. Yeah. She decided to do it. Today. 12 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried to do some small tunnel. I really did. I gave I gave it a good try. Um, there's just not enough like it's like detail, right? It was going to be a very short episode had I done Sensible Tunnel. Yeah. Um, so we can explain Sensible Tunnel, you know, maybe later down the road and yeah and stuff. Um, but I decided to switch gears and do Bell Witch, and the story of Bell Witch. It is a story that to this day cannot be fully explained Mm -hmm. it is a story that takes place nestled within the appalachia it has elements of the supernatural and a community that struggled to comprehend what they could not explain for us to truly understand the bell witch we must go back to the early 19th century in rural adams tennessee which in 1817 was known as red river tennessee that sounds kind of spooky in itself it does, doesn't it? Red River. Yeah. Today we take you to the Red River. <laughs> <laughs> the Bell family found themselves in a very unsettling situation. In fact, it was downright terrifying. In the early 1800s, the Bell family had a very happy life, a very successful life. John Bell relocated his family from North Carolina to the Red River area in Robertson County, Tennessee. They found themselves as prominent farmers of the community, and by the mid-1800s, John Bell had acquired around 328 acres of land. So he had a lot to work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. He also became an elder of the Red River Baptist Church. So that means, like, he was pretty, like, prominent and thought highly of. Right. Dude, imagine, like, you went to church when you were... Like a preteen teenager, and they're like, "We're doing baptisms today." You're like, "Oh, we going down to the river?" And they're like, "Yeah, the Red River. <laughs> We're gonna baptize you in the Red River." <laughs> it just said <laughs> the Red River. Dun dun dun. The bridge is like, "Get the kids. We're going to the Red River." <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get over the name. <laughs> John and his wife Lucy Bell, which. Just a little side note. I had a dog once that I named Lucy Bell. Anyways. I feel like it's going to be bad juju, but pop off. <laughs> John and his wife, Lucy Bell, whom he had married in 1782, had six children together. Jesse, Betsy, Richard, John Jr., Drury. I think that's how you say it. Drury. Drury. <laughs> D-R-E-W-R-Y. Drury. 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 And Benjamin. 
Benjamin. <laughs> that one's easier to say. I thought they were all going to rhyme. She was like, Jesse, Betsy. I was like, no. <laughs> it's the Duggars. <laughs> 1800s edition. No. No. <laughs> no. God, I hope not. God. Anyways. <laughs> this is supposed to be scary, Katie. <laughs> One day in 1817, John Bell was inspecting his cornfields when he noticed a very odd-looking animal sitting in the middle of a corn row. Mm -mm. That's the shit I don't like. It's like unexplainable creatures. Yeah. He described it as an animal that had the body of a dog, but the head of a rabbit. John tried to shoot at it several times, but it ran off and seemingly vanished. John was spooked, and it was weird but he tried not to think any more of it. It was just an animal after all. Maybe he was a groundhog. Yeah, Katie, it was a groundhog. <laughs> I'm just saying. You could maybe mistake that. A dog <laughs> with the head of a rabbit and think, oh, that's a groundhog. Or maybe, um, what are what's the world's largest rodent called? Capybara. Yeah, maybe it was a capybara. <laughs> capybara, 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 capybara. I'm just saying. Like, I'm just trying to give like a reasonable explanation. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But that incident would be the beginning of some very strange occurrences. That evening, as the Bell family sat down to dinner, they began to hear beating on the outside of their home. Thinking someone was messing with them, John and his sons went outside to catch whatever was making the noise. However, they never found anything. And that wasn't the only night they heard it either. That beating sound would continue. But not only would it continue, it would also increase in frequency and force each night. Do you know how in scary movies, especially ones involving families like that are like moving into a new house that's haunted or possessed, mm -hmm. usually the occurrences that the family experience will start out small. Mm -hmm. And it's just like stuff that they try to explain away. Right. You know, usually it starts with the children just seeing stuff and the parents being like, eh. It's nothing. It's just imagination. Yeah. But then as the movie goes on, the occurrences become more severe and even deadly. Well, that's what happens with the Bell family. The children would often complain of hearing rats gnawing and scratching at their bedposts. Hmm. That an invisible force was pulling the covers off of their bed and tossing their pillows in the floor. One of the kids reported to see a bird perched on a fence that was... An extraordinary size. I don't know what that means, per se, but <laughs> he's apparently... Like, he's like, there was a turkey outside. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that was apparently very weird. Betsy reported seeing a girl in a green dress swinging from the limb of an oak tree. Now that... Okay, why do I have, like, picture the conjuring scene where... She's standing out there, and then the woman that hung herself on the tree is just yeah, swinging. That's I know. when I, I'm like... yeah. Yeah. What do you mean swinging from the branch, little girl? Yeah, what does that mean? What do you mean, Betsy? A man named Dean, who was enslaved by the Bell family, reported being followed by a large black dog on various evenings. The Bells also began hearing faint, whispering voices. They couldn't really understand what it was saying, but to them it sounded like an elderly woman singing hymns. Like, no, that's just creepy. No. The Bell family tried their best to ignore what was happening. They desperately wanted to keep this within the family and to keep it a secret. But things were about to escalate to the point where the family needed help. After all of the strange sightings, it was about this time 
that John began experiencing paralysis of his mouth. Just that alone is scary, but all of this other stuff with it must have been completely terrifying. Also during this time, Betsy, the Bell's youngest daughter, began experiencing some very brutal encounters with this invisible entity. It would pull her hair and slap her relentlessly, often leaving welts and handprints on her face and body. Damn. It was at this time that John finally reached out for help. He reached out to his friend and neighbor, James Johnston. Now, of course, James was skeptical, but he was willing to see it for himself. He wanted to experience it for himself. So, him and his wife spent the night at the Bell home. Things were going swimmingly, and they were having a normal, nice evening. But once the Johnstons went to bed, things took a terrifying turn. And just like with the Bell family, their bed covers were yanked off, and James was slapped by something he couldn't see. This prompted James to jump out of bed and exclaim, In the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? However, James never got a response. That morning, the Johnstons got out of the Bell's home faster than a scalded cat. Okay? They were like... (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) That's the most mountain woman shit I've ever heard you say. Like a scalded cat. Okay? Shut the hell up. But before he left, James told the Bells that whatever it was in their house was likely, and I quote, an evil spirit, the kind that the Bible talks about. I bet that made them feel good. Yeah, I bet that made them feel real secure. Thank you for your comforting words. Yep. The longer time went on, it's like the entity strengthened. That voice that they couldn't really make out, the one that sounded like an elderly woman singing hymns, well, that voice became unmistakable. It was singing hymns, but it was also quoting scripture and could even carry on an intelligent conversation. It is reported that it once quoted two sermons that were preached at the same time on the same day, 13 miles apart. The enti- Wait, the old lady's voice did? Yeah, the entity did that shit. Mm-hmm. The entity even enjoyed a good religious argument and gossiped about the activities in other homes. This type of phenomenon couldn't be contained within the Bell Home. It couldn't even be contained within Red River. Soon, the entity would garner the name the Bell Witch. It even told the family that her name was Kate, their neighbor. Oh, yeah. Great. So they're going to burn her at the stake. (laughs) And the story of the Bell Witch reached all the way to Nashville and to the ears of the future president, Andrew Jackson. In 1815, Andrew Jackson was a general in the Battle of New Orleans, and it just so happens that John Bell Jr., Drury Bell, and Jesse Bell had fought under General Andrew Jackson. So when Andrew Jackson heard of the haunting at the Bell home, he decided, you know what, I'm going to go investigate this. Okay. On the day that Jackson arrived, he had a whole entourage with him, horses, and a large wagon. And as they were beginning to approach the Bell property, the wagon all of a sudden stopped. It became stuck in a muddy creek bed, and the horses were unable to pull it out, which at face value doesn't seem odd or strange. Mm -hmm. However, it was about to turn real strange. Once they realized they weren't getting the wagon out of the mud, after several minutes of trying, Jackson proclaimed, By the eternal boys, that must be the Bell Witch. I don't know if he was trying to be funny with that comment or trying to lighten the mood, (laughs) 
But whatever the reason, he was about to eat those words. He's going to tell a little jokey joke. Yeah, he's going to tell a little jokey joke. But he was about to eat those words because suddenly a disembodied female voice told Jackson that they could proceed and that she would see them again later that evening. Hell no. Yeah, I don't know about you, but if I all of a sudden heard a voice that I couldn't find the source to and it told me to proceed, the last thing I would do is proceed, you know? I would have left my little wagon in the mud and turned my little happy ass around and went home. Mm -hmm. That's what I would have done. But that's not what they did. They were able to get their wagon out of the mud at that point and proceed across the property to the bell home. Mm -mm. One of the men that was with Jackson that evening claimed to be a quote-unquote witch tamer. That evening, he pulled out a pistol and proclaimed that the silver bullet that was in it would kill any evil spirit that it came in contact with. Okay, so he thinks he's a werewolf hunter. Right. And that the reason nothing had happened to them because the entity was simply scared of his silver bullet. Now, I think this is the perfect example of the more you fuck around, the more you find out. Period. Because immediately, the man screamed and began jerking his body in different directions. He was complaining that he was being struck with pins and was being beaten. He also got a good kick to the groin. I mean, wouldn't you? That man got out of there like a bat out of hell. Like a scalded cat? (laughs) Like a scalded cat. It was then that the bell witch spoke up, sounding angry, and let the group know that there was another fraud in Jackson's entourage and that she would identify him the following evening. Now, the rest of Jackson's men begged to go home. They begged him, let's go back to Nashville. They were like, please, Mr. President, turn around. Well, he wasn't president then. He was general. Right, but he, 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 <laughs> he's good. Yeah, right. <laughs> they were terrified, to say the least. And roughly so, right? But no, Jackson wanted to know who the other fraud was. Because, you know, priorities. Mm-hmm. He wants to know the tea. Yeah, like, spill the tea, sis, essentially. What happened the rest of that night is unclear. But what we do know is that Jackson and his entourage were spotted near Springfield early the next morning, headed back to Nashville. It is alleged that Jackson later proclaimed, I would rather fight the British at New Orleans than fight the Bell Witch. Period. Period. So... The Bell Witch seemed to despise John Bell Sr. and Betsy the most. The Bell Witch often expressed displeasure when Betsy got engaged to a local named Joshua Gardner. And then there was John Bell Sr. She held a lot of disdain for him, even vowing to kill him. John had been experiencing a lot of physical ailments, such as twitching of his face and difficulty swallowing. And his health just grew worse with time. In the fall of 1820, he was pretty much confined to the house where the witch continuously tortured him. She would remove his shoes when he tried to walk, slapped his face when he would recover from one of his seizures, and her voice could be heard all over the farm, always cursing whom she called Old Jack. On the morning of December 20th, 1820, John Bell died after being in a coma for a day. Following his death, the family found a vial of strange black liquid in the cupboard. John Jr. sprinkled two drops of the strange liquid on their cat's tongue. Uh, I know. The cat jumped into the air, rolled over in midair, and was dead when it hit the floor. R.I.P. Kitty. 
Yeah, I'm really sad about the cap. Yeah. It was then that the entity exclaimed, I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, which fixed him. John Jr. threw the mysterious vial into the fireplace, where it burst into a bright blue flame and shot up the chimney. It is said that the witch even interrupted the mourning of the family by singing drinking songs. So there they are, you know, mourning over their father mm-hmm. and husband, and the bell witch is just over there. So raise your glass if you are. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially <laughs> celebrating John's death. In 1821, Betsy called off her engagement to Joshua Gardner, and that's when the hauntings seemed to calm down. The witch even told the family it was going to leave, but would return seven years later in 1828. And the witch kept her word and returned on time to Lucy Bell and her sons. It was the same activities as before. They just didn't encourage it. And the witch appeared to leave again. But before she left, she promised to visit John Bell's descendants 107 years later. That would have been 1935. And the closest living descendant was... Dr. Charles Bailey Bell, who was a neurologist and would have been John Bell Sr.'s great-grandson. He actually published a book about the Bell Witch to, like, raise awareness of the impending return. He published that in 1934. Mm -hmm. But did the Bell Witch ever return in 1935, as promised? Some say she did not. And then there are some who say she never left. But what happened to the Bell family... A lot of it cannot be explained. Mm -hmm. Some of it can be, or at least people try. Mm -hmm. You know, John Bell Sr., a lot of people thought he was having symptoms of like lead poisoning or... I was thinking a stroke. Stroke. I mean, he was having what today we would say are neurological symptoms of something. Mm -hmm. You know, some speculate that it was arsenic poisoning. Um over a period of time Mm -hmm. because you know they did have slaves Mm -hmm. and so some people say that maybe his slaves were poisoning him over a slow like period of time Mm -hmm. um some say you know it could have been someone from church that they had made upset it could have been anyone it could have been within the home also they probably they wouldn't have had like filtered water so true true and it and and it wasn't just John experiencing this stuff. It was mm-hmm. also Betsy and other family members. Mm-hmm. So you would think it would it was something that was... Shared family hysteria. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, something that was maybe in the water or in their food. But that's the whole point. Like, we just, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. It is still a legend that people try to investigate to this day. There have been reports of faint sounds of people talking and children playing there have been reports of candle lights dancing through like fields and and when you like take a picture sometimes in the area it'll show mist or orbs of light Mm -hmm. and human-like figures that were not present like when the pictures were taken so who knows right right? is it still haunted quote-unquote was it ever haunted was it ever haunted but it still remains a mystery Something happened. Mm -hmm. Something was going on. Whether Mm -hmm. you think it was the Bell Witch, some type of other entity, something was going on. And we just... We just don't know. We just don't have all the answers. 
So, yeah, that was the Bell Witch. Good stuff. Yeah. She sounds like a lovely lady. I mean, really. She sounded funny. She did. In a lot of, in a lot of ways. <laughs> I'd crack a little jokey joke. She's like, oh, are you having a funeral? Let me, let me sing you a song. Let me sing you a tune. Take one down, pass it around. <laughs> Just Bell being Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Bell being Bell. Whiskey for my men, beer for my horses. <laughs> that's what she does. She's just sitting in the oh, corner like, during the funeral. Just, <laughs> yep. So, yeah. So, that's the Bell Witch. Well, thanks for listening. What are you doing next week? Do you know? I don't know yet. I haven't decided. Mm. There's so many options around here. I know. There's a lot of options. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. Hope you have a spooky time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. We'd like to thank Mikey Kinley for audio and editing and our friend Avalyn Uliberry for our cover art. Make sure to like and follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram is M3Podcast and you can find us on Facebook under the name of our podcast, which is Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. <laughs>